Good morning. Let's begin our service by singing hymn number 163. Jesus, what precept is like thine? Forgive as ye would be forgiven. If heeded, oh, what power divine would then transform our earth to heaven. Hymn number 163. scriptural will be given by Imogene from Australia. The Bible, Psalms. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so but are like the chafe which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous." 
but the way of the ungodly shall perish. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. Let us now have a moment of silent prayer and follow with the Lord's Prayer and its spiritual interpretation as given in the Christian Science textbook. Our Father, which art in heaven, our Father, Mother, God, all harmonious, hallowed be thy name, adorable one, thy kingdom come, thy kingdom is come, thou art ever present. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Enable us to know, as in heaven, so on earth, God is omnipotent, supreme. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us grace for today. Feed the famished affections. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And love is reflected in love. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. And God leadeth us not into temptation, but delivereth us from sin, disease, and death. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. For God is infinite, all power, all life, truth, love, over all and all. Let's now sing hymn number 57. Father, to thee we turn away from sorrow. Thou art the fountain whence our healing flows. Dark though the night, joy cometh with the morrow. Safely they rest on thy love rejoice, who on thy love rejoice. Hymn number 57. Mm -hmm. 
Good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning service at the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent. We begin every Sunday morning here with our roundtable discussion, which is sort of a training session in practical Christian science. And we had another really good one this morning. So if you missed it, or if you'd like to hear it again, you will be able to find it on our website, plainfieldcs.com. And you will also be able to find it on our YouTube channel and our Vimeo channel. We have a Sunday school that meets at 11 a.m. every Sunday. And many of our Sunday school students attend by telephone via a teleconference number that is dedicated for our Sunday school. And that means that if you don't live in the area and you have a child of Sunday school age, uh, your child can attend via telephone. Just call us, we'll give you the number, and we would love to welcome your child to our Sunday school. We have a testimony meeting that every Wednesday evening at 8.15 p.m., where you can hear testimonies of healings and lives literally saved through the study and practice of Christian science. And we have a well-equipped and staffed nursery for infants and toddlers at all of our services. We have uh, quite a few websites, many of which are in languages other than English. And on all of our websites, you will find the very finest Christian science literature, songs, articles, books available. And all of what we offer on our website is free. You can download, you can read, you can listen to anything that is on any of our websites without charge. Freely we have received and freely we give. And as a result of many of our non-English websites, many people, millions, literally, around the world are able to find the finest Christian science literature even in their own language. One of the articles that uh, I'd like to point out on our English website uh, that's featured is an article entitled Scientific Thinking by Martha Wilcox. I found this very helpful in describing what correct real thinking actually is. Scientific Thinking by Martha Wilcox, recommended highly. Everyone is welcome here, and that includes all of you who are listening and participating from around the world. And now we will have the reading of a testimony of healing from the Christian Science textbook, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy. And that reading will be given by Wendy from Georgia. Severe eye trouble overcome. After hearing Christian science lightly spoken of from a Christian pulpit, I decided to go to one of the services and hear for myself. From infancy, I had been devoted to my church, and as soon as I was old enough, I was ever active in the work. 
feeling it to be my duty to attend every service held in my own church, I took advantage of the Wednesday evening meeting. My first visit was not my last, I am thankful to say, for I saw immediately that these people not only preached Christianity, but practiced and lived it. At that time, I was wearing glasses and had worn them for 16 years. At times, I suffered the most intense pain, and for this phase of the trouble, one specialist after another had been consulted. All gave me very much the same advice. Each one urged extreme carefulness and gave me glasses that seemed to relieve for a time. But none of them held any, uh, any hope that my sight would ever be restored, saying that the defect had existed since infancy and that in time I should be blind. The thought of blindness was very distressing to me but I tried to bear it with Christian resignation since I thought that God had seen fit to afflict me. But since I have learned that he is a loving father who gives only good, I regret that I ever charged him with my affliction. I had no treatment, but I read Science and Health, and my eyes were healed and glasses laid aside. I can never find words to express my thanks to our dear leader, through whose teachings my sight has been regained. I can truthfully say that, whereas I was blind, now I see. Through an understanding of truth, I have found my sight perfect as God gave it. Miss B. S. Wilmington, North Carolina. The lesson sermon for this morning can be found on page 10 of the Independent Christian Science Quarterly. Subject, Everlasting Punishment. The golden text is from Psalms. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. The responsive reading is from Psalms. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from, from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. 
Amanda from Missouri will now read. The Bible. Psalm. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to keep as such his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. John Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go, and sin no more. Hebrews Despise thou not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness 
unto them which are exercised thereby. Second Peter The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Romans God commendeth his love toward us, in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. 
I will now read correlative passages from the Christian Science textbook, Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, by Mary Baker Eddy. The best sermon ever preached is truth practiced and demonstrated by the destruction of sin, sickness, and death. We cannot build safely on false foundations. Truth makes a new creature in whom old things pass away and all things are become new. Passions, selfishness, false appetites, hatred, fear, all sensuality yield to spirituality, and the superabundance of being is on the side of God good. The way to extract error from mortal mind is to pour in truth through flood tides of love. Christian perfection is one on no other basis. Grafting holiness upon unholiness, supposing that sin can be forgiven when it is not forsaken, is as foolish as straining out gnats and swallowing camels. The scientific unity which exists between God and man must be wrought out in life practice, and God's will must be universally done. We acknowledge God's forgiveness of sin in the destruction of sin, and the spiritual understanding that casts out evil as unreal. But the belief in sin is punished so long as the belief lasts. God is as incapable of producing sin, sickness, and death as he is of experiencing these errors. How then is it possible for him to create man subject to this triad of errors? Man who is made in the divine likeness, does God create a material man out of himself, spirit? Does evil proceed from good? Does divine love commit a fraud on humanity by making man inclined to sin and then punishing him for it? In common justice, we must admit that God will not punish man for doing what he created man capable of doing, and knew from the outset that man would do. God is of purer eyes than to behold evil. Error excludes itself from harmony. Sin is its own punishment. The belief of sin which has grown terrible in strength and influence, is an unconscious error in the beginning, an embryonic thought without motive. But afterwards, it governs the so-called man. Passion, depraved appetites, dishonesty, envy, hatred, revenge, 
ripen into action, only to pass from shame and woe to their final punishment. Sorrow for wrongdoing is but one step towards reform and the very easiest step. The next and great step required by wisdom is the test of our sincerity, namely, reformation. To this end, we are placed under the stress of circumstances. Temptation bids us repeat the offense, and woe comes in return for what is done. So it will ever be till we learn that there is no discount in the law of justice and that we must pay the uttermost farthing. The measure ye meet shall be measured to you again, and it will be full and running over. Saints and sinners get their full award, but not always in this world. The followers of Christ drank his cup. Ingratitude and persecution filled it to the brim. But God pours the riches of his love into the understanding and affections, giving us strength according to our day. Sinners flourish like a green bay tree, but looking farther, the psalmist could see their end, the destruction of sin through suffering. If living in disobedience to him, we ought to feel no security, although God is good. Better the suffering which awakens mortal mind from its fleshly dream than the false pleasures which tend to perpetuate this dream. Sin alone brings death, for sin is the only element of destruction. Do you ask wisdom to be merciful and not to punish sin? Then ye ask amiss. Without punishment, sin would multiply. Jesus' prayer, forgive us our debts, specified also the terms of forgiveness. When forgiving the adulterous woman, he said, go and sin no more. The design of love is to reform the sinner. If the sinner's punishment here has been insufficient to reform him, the good man's heaven would be a hell to the sinner. They who know not purity and affection by experience can never find bliss in the blessed company of truth and love simply through translation into another sphere. Divine science reveals the necessity of sufficient suffering either before or after death, to quench the love of sin. To remit the penalty due for sin would be for truth to pardon error. 
escape from punishment is not in accordance with God's government, since justice is the handmaid of mercy. Divine love corrects and governs man. Man may pardon, but this divine principle alone reforms the sinner. Humanity advances slowly out of sinning sense into spiritual understanding. Unwillingness to learn all things rightly binds Christendom with chains. Love will finally mark the hour of harmony and spiritualization will follow, for love is spirit. The way through which immortality and life are learned is not ecclesiastical, but Christian, not human, but divine, not physical, but metaphysical, not material, but scientifically spiritual. Human philosophy, ethics, and superstition afford no demonstrable divine principle by which mortals can escape from sin. Yet, to escape from sin is what the Bible demands. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, says the apostle. And he straightway adds, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 2. Truth has furnished the key to the kingdom. And with this key, Christian science has opened the door of the human understanding. The calm, strong currents of true spirituality, the manifestations of which are health, purity, and self-immolation, must deepen human experience until the beliefs of material existence are seen to be a bald imposition, and sin, disease, and death give everlasting place to the scientific demonstration of divine spirit and to God's spiritual perfect man. We will now have a moment of silent prayer for our world.
Let's now sing hymn number 137. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. Hymn number 137.
Let's now sing hymn number 164. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Hymn number 164.
I will read from the Christian Science textbook, the Scientific Statement of Being, and the correlative passages from 1 John, 3rd chapter. There is no life, truth, intelligence, nor substance in matter. All is infinite mind and its infinite manifestation, for God is all in all. Spirit is immortal truth. Matter is mortal era. Spirit is the real and eternal. Matter is the unreal and temporal. Spirit is God, and man is his image and likeness. Therefore, man is not material. He is spiritual. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Amen. Amen.